The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Well, Chadville. This is a great tune. Uh, Northlands has a new president and CEO, and he has a big job ahead of him. As you know, K-Days, as he makes faces at me for saying that, K-Days just wrapped up and posted its lowest numbers in over a decade, but bad weather did play a big part in that. Um, but it's more than just that. It's guiding Northlands through some uncertainty and changing directions in the coming years to find out how he is going to do that. I'm really happy to welcome Peter Mail to the studio. Hi, Peter. Hi. Good to be here. Thanks for joining me. Um, You know what? Uh, I don't know where to start quite with you because I had so many uh, different questions that I wanted to ask you. But um, before we get into some breaking down of maybe K-Days and and, and, uh, what what just wrapped up, give me a little idea about your your love for exhibitions, your love for fairs that really turned into one heck of a career for you. It really did. Um, I, I grew up in Edmonton and moved out to Vancouver in the early 80s. Um, there was a recession, so my career got a little sidetracked, and then I managed to get myself into Expo 86 in Vancouver. So I started, uh, just before the fair opened, I was hired as a, a film kiosk manager, and then I went through about nine months where I had about seven jobs. And yeah. By the time we finished, I had uh, I was general manager of an independent concession running nine locations and about 200 staff. And I decided, you know what, I don't, my early career, I always got bored doing things mm-hmm. and I just found in the fair business I didn't get bored mm. so so I transitioned from the World's Fair into working for the, the local fair there which is the Pacific National mm-hmm. Exhibition or the p in Vancouver So you were with the p for a very long time Yeah, I did about two years at the p and then I left for two years and went to the south of Spain so for <laughs> two years in the south of Spain I worked on the World's Fair for uh, 1992 in Seville and there I was general manager of five <laughs> companies under three different nationalities. So, <laughs> so easy to say, or I think it's fair to say that um, fairs are, you know, it's, it's in your blood. This is something that, um, you know, this is not something that you've been dropped into here in no. Edmonton that you have no background. I mean, this is when you look at your, I pulled up your resume off of uh, LinkedIn this afternoon, by the way. Uh-oh. And look, it's all right here. It's all right here. Boom, 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 boom. It was one thing after another after another thing. And right now, I mean, we were talking just before we went on the air. You're involved with, what, three out of the four largest yeah, fairs in the country now? I technically retired at the end of 2017. And then uh, the p asked me not to go away to advise on their master plan with the city moving forward. So I signed a two-year agreement with them. About five months later, the CNE from Toronto, which is the largest uh-huh. fair in the country, called. And, uh, and the CEO said to me, what are you doing? And I said, I'm doing this and she said it's not enough so she sent me a two-year contract as well to advise and help them in moving forward and then uh, and then this uh, this came up about two months I'm ago. putting you on the spot Peter makes what makes you so good at your job I love it <laughs> <laughs> and my advice has always been to my children if uh, I did it never really mattered I never cared what my, my kids did it's up to you to you know self-drive and you choose what you want to do and the only advice I ever gave my children was pick something that you love to do because mm-hmm. it makes your journey and uh, and the whole course of your career so much more rewarding you have more purpose and you just feel more rooted did you go to Klondike Days when you were a kid? I did I used to actually deliver when I lived here I delivered Edmonton Journal paper uh, so that I could make some money yeah. 
yeah. so I could go to K-Days. And what was it um, about Klondike Days then? I mean, I, I hear still a lot of people pining for Klondike Days compared to K-Days. And, and I hear that, mm-hmm. too. I know, and that's been some of the stuff we've heard and feedback from the people since I've been here, even. I mean, for me, it was always called Klondike Days when yeah. I grew up. And and these exhibitions do go through different exercises where they will change the name and, and, and look to be fresh. But but in the heart, these people are... These events are so traditional and so emotionally attached to the people in the region that you... The people normally defeat... De- de- they default back to what the, the name mm-hmm. that they know, you know? So when we... If we are calling it K-Days, but where I, wherever I go around town, I still hear people refer to it as Klondike. Yeah, I was at a, an event um, last Thursday night, and some of the the old, you know, the you know the legends from 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 uh, Klondike days, you know, the Klondike Kates and the yeah. uh, all of that sort of stuff, were at it tonight. And I heard someone speak. Now, an, an older, uh, an older, um, uh, an older person, you know, in, into their eighties, but speak passionately about how it seems that. During Klondike days, that there was there was more of a passion for what was going on. There was more of a connection to it. That the city became more involved with it, with the with the with the the, the bands, the music, everything. People dressed up, yeah. all of this the sort theming. of stuff, the theming, all of that. And I'm wondering though, is that just holding on to the past and not rolling with the times? Because sooner or later. Things do change, and and maybe we're just a little slow to embrace change on this one. Well, we do live in a time of constant, intense change. Mm-hmm. Now, if you look around us and everything that's being driven by technology, but in the fair industry, there are certain traditional and emotional things that that people are attached to. You're, you're creating multi generational mm-hmm. emotional memories. You know, the, the the affection people have for fairs is is absolutely mind boggling, and that's what's kept me in it for as long as I have. Its its socio economic impact is off the scale. Mm-hmm. There's over 800 fairs in Canada. Wow. From the four large ones, of which Acadia's is one, to little tiny places where they're they're just a little piece of property mm-hmm. with a couple of volunteers that they do the local fair, they upgrade the barn, they keep the boards together for skating in the winter. Mm-hmm. I mean, I met uh, a couple in Norton, Saskatchewan, had volunteered for 65 years, wow. and that's a huge base here. You talk about how much Edmontonians love this fair. If you look at our volunteer base, it's over 900 people. Mm-hmm. We have people inside that we have multi generational volunteers. Yeah. We have one uh, one volunteer that's volunteered I think it was for 68 years and six months his son has volunteered hmm. for 31 years hmm. so you see this incredible support from the community and, and how they give back to create this event and it really is a gathering it's a, it's a pulling of all the people together and and that in, that installs and grows this sense of community which in which in today's world the further I was a, a speaker a few years ago that talked about high tech and high touch hmm. and what he meant by that is the further we go into high tech and computer and the and this this world of digital that surrounds us, the higher importance it is for people to reach out to, to real people and, mm. to, and to touch and have human interaction. There has to be a balance between those two things. And events like this, and it's not just fairs, but I mean, other events do it too, but events like fairs gather those people together and you get that human contact. Mm-hmm. And it does, it, I, be, I think today it's becoming even more important. You know, I think yeah, I look back and I think yeah, we all have, I think, memories of something that happened at the fair, a great memory, you know, maybe the first time you were on the zipper 
or the yeah. tilt-a-whirl or whatever it is, and that girl who threw up the spaghetti as it was going flying around. There's always, we have all of these, we have uh, these memories, and every year I say, you know, I'm going to go back to Katie's, and I just don't, I don't go. Yeah. I, I, I've been once since I've lived here since 2000, and I don't know why that is. Maybe, you know, just maybe I like sitting on my patio at home more. What is it that you think needs to be done to attract more people uh, to K-Days? I think with K-Days, I think as we move forward and grow, you'll see us grow even more our community relationships and our root relationships. Um, but we also, you can reach out. You can bring the world together. You know, one of the other things that Northlands works on is, is Farm Fair in November. Mm-hmm. That's a global event. Mm-hmm. There's about 13 countries come to that. And in your own fair, yes, you want to bring your people forward. Your, there are special people that you see doing incredible things around Edmonton. You need to bring them into the public eye, and fairs are very good that. Mm-hmm. It, helps, it helps lift their careers, lift their directions. But at the same time, you want to be looking out across Canada and you want to be positioning looking globally as well. There's no reason why you wouldn't look globally. And if you can build bridges between the glo- certain global situations and, and your city, again, in, in the day we live with, that's a, that's a very strong growth move. So, Peter, from you know moving in here, you've been on the job just a couple, <laughs> just a couple two of months, month, two months, <laughs> and and here we are. Uh, Peter Mail, by the way, the new uh, president and CEO of of Northlands. When when you look at it, when you first came in and you started looking at it, knowing you know you had lived here before, um, is there something jumping out at you immediately that says we need to do this to succeed moving forward, I to think- better succeed? I think it had gone through so much change that it needed to gather itself. And, and in, in an environment of constant change, periodically you have to sit and look at yourself and mm-hmm. just take a, re, a, re, a restatement of what are you. You know, you have to go back to your roots and say, what are we? Why are we important? Why are we highly relevant? As you start to craft your way forward. So there was a little bit of that. Um, and I think with some of the things that I had gone through in the past, there was some damage to, to relationships mm-hmm. along the journey, mm-hmm. which happens sometimes. And you've seen it, you see it in other cities too. It, it does happen. So there's a, there's a lot of healing going on and regrouping. And, but I was thrilled to find out. I mean, I was thrilled to find out how much people still love mm-hmm. this fair. When I started to reach out politically uh, in my new position, I was thrilled at the reaction and the reception I had from, from both provincial and from city. Uh, it, was, it was a warm reaction. I mean, people love this mm-hmm. thing. They realize it's socioeconomic value, mm-hmm. what it does for, for youth employment and what it does for overall for just its sheer economic mm-hmm. impact. So um, it was coming in out of the industry. I, uh, it, I, was suppli- I was very happy with what I found. I found a lot more potential than maybe I was expecting. And I found some, some little cherries that I didn't know were there. One of the, one of the little cherries that, that, uh, that within two days I fell in love with is that Northlands on the actual Northlands site mm-hmm. still operates a little piece of land called the Urban Farm. Mm. And this is an amazing little thing that sort of started on its own and it's, it really hasn't had a lot of push behind it. But just through word of mouth, it's grown to the point now now, and it's doubled the number of kids going through it every year for the last four years. So this 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 year, five to six thousand little little people, mm-hmm. two grade two, grade three, will go see the, uh, this urban farm, see how food is is grown, how it all works. Uh, there's beehives there. There's some chickens there where, we, <laughs> where you, can, you can pick up eggs and see how the eggs are, are fresh and, and how that works. So it's really an urban rural interface, and this is a little this is a little gem that uh, that can do a lot more 
for uh, for the city and for the community. Well, there's uh, there's there needs to be you know things to build on to allow this to get bigger. And you know it's gone through some challenges over the past couple of years. Of course, the the Coliseum sits uh, empty. Uh, the racetrack is 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 what it is uh, is now. You were. We talked about your time at the PNA, PNE, and that was during the '90s when it went through a very difficult time when mm-hmm. the when the pro teams left that area mm-hmm. as well. Um, what did you do there to turn that into a success? Well, it was it was a big challenge. Those buildings on the on the PNE side mm-hmm. are very old. The the barns go back to 1929, yeah. and and, and the buildings on the site in general were mostly in the 1930s, except for the Coliseum. So when we started to look at that, we first of all we we started to say, well, what are we? We are a traditional gathering place, and, mm-hmm. and this is what we do. And you're seeing massive changes in the demographic of our cities with global migration, where all all cities are seeing this. So as our one of our first initiatives initiatives was, if we are a gathering place, we should be a gathering place for all those communities. So we started to reach out and we started to do that. We started to all of a sudden take work with those communities to, to create gatherings. We then started to watch, if you have an old building and you don't have endless amounts of money to uh-huh. update that old building, which most of us don't, most <laughs> of the cities really don't, um, one of the neat, one of the best ways to, to approach a new bu- an old building like that is if you can put something very cool in it. Uh-huh. It's actually not that bad. Uh-huh. And then the architect, even the older architecture starts yeah. to look cool, right? Yeah. So a lot of what we did strategically as we built its year-round usage back for relevance were based on trends and lifestyle change that we were seeing around us. So we looked at what is happening, what is changing in the city despite that, despite the demographic, what's changing as far as people and people's habits and things. So Can that the, be done here? Most assuredly. Most of these things exist in all the cities. It's just a matter of going out and, and learning what's going on in your city and who are these people and, and how do you bring them, how do you how do you raise their profile? You've talked about a five-year plan to be developed, to move forward and connect with the community. Is this part of this? Oh, most assuredly. Yeah. Yeah, most assuredly. Both both internally at, at a community level, at a city level, um, with with the universities. You you know, you look for you know, when I when I lived in Vancouver I always went to the Emily Carr graduate uh-huh. show. You're always looking to see what's there and what what could if you expose I mean the fair's the fair's medium is exposure. If uh-huh. you if you put something in a fair, eight hundred thousand people are gonna see it. Maybe not maybe not this year, but <laughs> but most years eight hundred thousand people are gonna see that. And also um, this media, I mean the media attention we got this year too. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's thanks to, to people like yourselves that, that watched us and talked about us and the TV coverage we got on that. It was very, very fabulous uh, attention. So that exposure, you through that exposure, you can lift the profile of people doing new and special things in your community and help them raise their profile and raise their success. Do you feel like you have a big hole to dig out of with Northlands? No, I don't. I don't, I don't look at the past. I, I look at now and I look at tomorrow. I, I think... You know that—that that to me is what excites me. Yeah. I've spent most of my career looking at tomorrow and trying to figure <laughs> out where things yeah. go. And yeah. and along the journey, I've actually been lucky enough to to find some of those things uh, that have added relevance and and have affected people's lives from our community. Peter Mail, the president, the new president and CEO of Northlands, will take a break here. When we come back, I have some questions specifically regarding to uh, this year's event. Uh, more with Peter right after this.
Peter Mayo, the president, uh, the new president and CEO of Northlands, joining me in studio this afternoon. Appreciate you taking your time, taking the time to do this. Yeah, it's a pleasure. Now, first, do you have a favorite ride at the fair? Favorite ride? Oh my! <laughs> do you goodness. go on the rides? I'm, I'm a coaster person. I love the mm, coasters. Okay. Anything coasters. We used to have an old roller, a wooden roller coaster mm-hmm. at, the, at the last fair I worked at, and I just love that. There was no ride like it. A couple of texts coming in saying, you know, uh, Calgary Stampede. When you look at uh, Calgary Stampede, you know, it was it it turns into a whole city event and it doesn't seem like that is what it's like with K days. Is there a way to change that? Oh I think so. Okay. I think there's a way to to reflect and look at that and find a new middle ground and how do we how do we embrace that and come back from that. You know when a, if you look at if you look from the fair industry's perspective, um, you know, K when you look to the Calgary to Calgary to, to dress up for Calgary uh-huh. Stampede, it's really not a huge stretch. You know, you put on a, a Western shirt, a belt, some boots, a hat, and we've all got jeans. Yeah. It's an easy crossover. <laughs> But I remember in my early days growing up in Edmonton, like a woman's Klondike dress oh, yeah. was a pretty big yep. uh, challenge. And, and not some of them, not that, uh, they're quite expensive yep. to produce. And in the men's, the tails, the ties, the, the hats, it's, it was a little more of a stretch asking people to go that far. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. But I think, I think as we move along, I think we start, we try to find some middle ground. We try and find something that works for everybody. Yeah, because it just seems like it's 10 days on the ground. It doesn't seem like it's 10 days in the city. No. It, it, is that, uh, if that, if well, that makes sense. I I think the parade helps. So that mm-hmm. you still do the parade. That does mm-hmm. help. But uh, but it needs. To, we need to hopefully work to with the city to grow that and to grow the involvement and the representation. Now and the, and the excitement and fun. Yeah. Now the uh, the numbers this year seven hundred thousand, the lowest in a, in about a decade. Weather was not your friend this year. Weather is always tricky. Uh, it seems, but this year really kind of um, kicked you hard. Uh, yeah, I, w- I would have empathy for any outdoor event that <laughs> happened in the last four weeks. Yeah. Uh, and we saw that on the weekend. I mean, the, the Taste of Edmonton yeah. had, had a tough time with weather. The chaos event at the park yeah. on grass. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, these are, these are big, big challenges when these weather things come in. Us, it helped. It, did it hurt? Most assuredly, it hurt. Um, we had uh, two major thunderstorms on the opening mm-hmm. day, mm-hmm. And, and thank God for Offspring fans because <laughs> they all came and in, and they were watching having the time in their lives in pouring rain. So the, the hardiness of that group was outstanding. But obviously, again, the, the two storms affected us. Um, we did really good after that. The attendance on, on Sunday was was I'm off the scale, which is mm-hmm. absolutely fabulous. But as we got into the rain in the midweek too, that softens you. Mm-hmm. But your prime, and when you do an event like this for a 10-day period, your prime uh, attendance is always in the closing uh-huh. weekend. It was it was in any fair. And so our two biggest days, which would be Saturday and Sunday, to have the full rain out on the Saturday yeah. had a massive impact. Sunday, everybody came. I mean, if you were on if you were on our site on Sunday night for the Aqua concert, yeah. Oh my goodness, it was just unbelievable. We're almost out of time, and I've got a bunch of questions we have to go through quick. Go. There was some complaints about uh, noise. You to mention the concerts, there was some complaints about the noise. Other people, according to my text line, say, "Hey, I live in that area. Uh, people are just complaining about nothing." Uh, what do you say to those folks who are complaining about the noise? Noise is a I mean, noise is a constant battle. You, you're monitoring all the time. I myself was not overly happy with. The the opening weekend, mm. um, and we, we dug and dug in deeper with, with hands-on um, reporting with uh, sound meters from key locations all over the neighborhood. We made a pile of adjustments, um, and I think uh, my feeling was it did get a little better as we went along. Okay. But certain nights, too, no matter what you do, and you dampen it, and you take it down to the levels you need it to be, sometimes if you get heavy wind, which we did, all depends on the, the weather sound conditions. will travel yeah. in under certain conditions with the wind. So it's an, it's an item that you never, that you constantly work on. You know, as we regroup 
when we go into our debriefing, we're looking at what type of equipment we do, do we use, what type of genres are we booking? Okay. Uh, can we can we amend that to make it better from the neighborhood? There's still a lot of you know I still hear complaints about cost that it's expensive. Yes. Are you ever going to get around that? How do you ever fix that? <laughs> well, I think it's something you have to be aware of, yes. and you try to find ways to to make your way through mm-hmm. that. But but there has been expansion even since I was a child here yeah. in Edmonton, delivering newspapers to make money to come here. People would talk about it, how it was expensive there. The thing about a fair being expensive is that it's a long length of stay. When you come into a fair, a lot of people are there for six, eight hours, and so you're incurring expenses mm-hmm. in that that duration of time. So we we will be continuing. To to develop our programs, but but normally, if you can buy in advance and you can buy it at cheaper rates and and amortize it over over a little bit better time period, it makes it easier for people when they come to enjoy that. and And you're constantly looking for ways to how do you break that price? How do you bring it down? What kind of deals can you offer in order to make it more palatable for the general population? And we're going to be out of time, but I know I had a couple of texts on this one about cannabis on uh, on the grounds. Some people saying you know um, not being allowed to use on the grounds. I don't know what the rules were around that. Uh, they don't. They won't go back until they're allowed to use the, the signs that we had up. Um, I mean, this is as this is a big change in our country, mm-hmm. and uh, and I think we've all we're all aware that that's not an easy change. Mm-hmm. It's not a button you push, and all of a sudden everybody has all the correct answers. So this is. I mean, we we worked with industry standard. Every time we uh, we're not sure of a situation, we don't act in isolation. We look at what happening, what's happening across the industry. So we look at what's happening at the CNE, and what's happening mm-hmm. in Calgary, what's, and and what several did this year was they said, okay, we, if people ha- are possessing cannabis. Okay, that's fine, but but we uh, we can't really have them use cannabis. It's not a situation with cannabis where you can control it in a specific area. It makes it very difficult, right? So it's it it's an ongoing process of development. That I, I mean, again, I think it's something we have to go back to and continue to look at, and then look at the industry standard. What is happening across the country? And we need need to make sure that we're in line with that. Peter, I have really enjoyed this conversation. It was wonderful meeting you. Best of luck moving forward. I think you have a big job ahead of you, but uh, they call you the fixer <laughs> for a reason. So I. Can't can't wait to see uh, to see what magic uh, you bring to this. Uh, best of luck, and let's let's talk again sometime soon. And I can't wait to be, to give the Edmonton next year's fair. We will give them a fair that they have never seen. So I'm, I'm pretty excited about what's going to happen next year. Thank you so much. Thank you.